Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Harrington, I'm in for uh, Reggie Corrigan and Ken Doherty. Uh, both are away this weekend, but lucky enough, I have Declan Drake with me in the studio. Good morning, Declan. Morning, Joe. So, Declan, I suppose looking at the papers this morning, so much sport in it, but we'll start with Katie Taylor because you saw her fighting uh, not so long ago. Well, when I say not so long ago, how long ago it was, was it? Uh, it was October, Joe. It was our last fight against Carabao in uh, Wembley Arena. And um, it was a fantastic night, and and she claimed that the, the victory on, on points. Um, it's absolutely brilliant that we have her in Dublin at la- at long last. Uh, it's a pity it's not a couple of miles further down the road in Crow Park, but that's an argument for another day. The fact is, she's here now. She's stepping up against a real quality opponent. It's not our first choice option, of course, because Amanda Serrano is, is injured mm-hmm. currently. So for Katie to take on this particular fight tonight is a huge, huge challenge. But that's what she does best. She takes on big challenges, relishes them, and usually comes through. So hopefully she can do the same tonight. But is, 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 is this a potential banana skin? Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, she's really up against a quality fighter tonight. There's no doubt about that. But um, even if she... The unthinkable happens and she loses the fight. She doesn't lose her own belts. That's the good thing about it, you know. Okay, explain that. I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you, <laughs> okay, how it works. Don't no, it. I, don't, don't, don't I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Is a perfectly honest answer to it, but that's the reality of the situation. Well, I think it isn't. What's her name, Cameron? Uh, what's what's or Chantel um, is putting her belts on the line. I think I that's think, what it I is. I think so. Yeah. yeah, so I, 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 yeah. The, the idea, I think, long term is that later on in the year that we will have. Uh, Mark two of Taylor and Serrano, hopefully down in, in Crow Park. That's the long term aspiration in yeah. September time. I think. How long more can Katie Taylor box professionally? Well, maybe a year or two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd like to think at, at peak. I mean, at, at peak, peak level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's an ultimate athlete, an ultimate warrior. Absolutely looks after herself, one hundred and ten percent, no doubt about that. Um, how long she can go on for? Maybe another year. But I'd like to think that she would go out as an undisputed champion of the world. But mm-hmm. it's just when to to know when to go yeah. that's the thing isn't it you know everyone wants to take on the next fight the next fight to, for, for your legacy her legacy is already cemented so that's not a, an issue you, you, you see it in every sport and I, I think sometimes looking at Tiger Woods who was one of the greatest golfers of all time and you see him even playing in today's and and, and he continues to play and but he's never going to reach the levels no. he did you know no. and you see it sometimes in footballers as well and they lose pace and in every sport it's yeah. the same and uh, I suppose when you think about it Eric Cantona I suppose he retired at the right time and now he's, <laughs> he's an actor I just saw him in a movie the other night and he's actually very good but I was just thinking about uh, players having the savvy or sports people having the savvy to retire mm when they're in their peak. You yeah, know. But then you look at Stephen Cluxton, <laughs> who had stepped away ah, from... Well, the, he went into an oxygen tent he, for about two years. He stepped, <laughs> he stepped away from the game and miraculously came back against Loud a couple of months back in his another, I think it's 17 Leinster Championship medals now at this stage. You're very close to the Dublin camp and I don't like putting you on the spot. With, with, no, but you've done it already. But I'm going to put you on the spot with, with regards <laughs> to Stephen Cluxton. Tell me, uh, Declan, there obviously has to be some sort of arrangement or something where there was this siege mentality put into the Dublin camp which was very successful where they wouldn't discuss anything with media or anything like that and then uh, Cluxton said I don't think he actually said he was retiring he no. just, just he did, never said he was retiring no. so I 
what other sport could you do that in? Just you couldn't, could you? Stephen never spoke on the issue. Well, Stephen never speaks anyway, yeah. but uh, he never spoke publicly on the issue. He has left Desi Farrell after a game against Wexford in, in Chadwick's Wexford Park to announce that he had stepped away from the panel at that particular yeah. stage. His last game had been the All Ireland final of 2020, which was the sixth in a row in Crow Park against Mayo, an empty yeah. Crow Park, if you remember, because of the COVID situation at the time. Um, and then people assumed like Evan Comerford had been injured. David O'Hanlon of Nafina came in, proved himself as a more than capable goalkeeper and deputy yeah. uh, over the course of the league campaign. And uh, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we see at the Loud game in Crow Park, Stephen Cluxton just trotting down the tunnel like he'd never left it. Yeah. Amazing stuff. So did everybody, I, I, I'm guessing that and I, I don't know this, but I'm guessing that, you know, the, the the selectors, the Dublin selectors and everyone involved there would have had to inform all the other players and say, yeah, and, and everyone would have bought into it and know he's coming back and be happy about it because in any other circumstances, I think people would be very, very unhappy. You always have the danger, I think, of a group being upset by that, you know, particularly the individuals in that position who have lost their place. Yeah. and have been part of the squad for a particular period of time. That's one aspect of it. I think you've got to look at the bigger picture as well and what is best for Dublin football. I oh, know, absolutely. And Desi Farrell, at this moment in time, is of the opinion that Stephen Cluxton being around the group and playing as he is now is for the best of Dublin football. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree with him. You have, you have your best players. It's a very strange situation, there's no doubt about it. We've made the point on the GAA section over the last number of weeks as well, Joe, about how remarkable it was that this story never broke whatsoever. There was no yeah. hint of anything like this happening, which is remarkable, which from a Dublin management point of view is fantastic. At least they show now that they can keep everything pretty much in-house themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to see Stephen, as I say, trotting out in Crow Park that particular Sunday afternoon like he was never away was, was just amazing stuff. Yeah, and tell us, where are Dublin at, do you think, at the moment? Well, we've won our 13th consecutive Leinster Championship. Well, mission, yeah. mission accomplished. <laughs> no, that doesn't tell me anything. That doesn't tell me anything. Uh, no, no. Uh, well, we're into the All Ireland series now, which has three games uh, coming up, starting with Ross Common at Crow Park a week tomorrow, which I'm yeah. glad to say now is a double header with the hurlers. That yeah. makes perfect yeah. sense. The hurlers were already fixed there. Then we go to uh, Kilkenny, would you believe, to play football? We've did it before, but we're going back again. And to will play. Kilkenny have a full team? <laughs> it was Kildare we're playing. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Kildare we're playing. Sorry, uh, Newbridge <laughs> is, uh, is being redeveloped at the moment, so oh, yeah. their, their game has been moved to Nolan Park. So that's the bank holiday weekend. So do the, Kilkenny have a football team at the moment? They do. They're all Ireland junior champions, Joe, okay, believe it or not. And I saw them win it in Crow Park last <clears> year okay. against New York. Well, there so you I'm go. I'm the ultimate honour, I'm like. <laughs> you certainly are. And uh, but I suppose when you when you see that the, the New Yorks and the and the Londons and you know that and New York of course defeating Leeds from there recently that was some some feat wasn't it really? Oh, it's, when you think it's great. They're, they are you know an essential part of the of the organisation and deserve their, their yeah. opportunity to play in the championships. And, and it keeps for the diaspora it keeps a, a great interest. I want to um, go on to the golf for a moment, Declan, because uh, it's probably the last bit of sport that we'll be watching on Sunday evening and. Uh, uh, Seamus Power didn't make the cut so we have uh, Rory I think I just had a quick look before I came in uh, at even uh, even Power so I don't know what way uh, do, do you, are you a golfer yourself or do you follow uh, the golf? Well, ten, not particularly but would watch such occasions as what we have now this weekend the Masters and the other um, 
make big events, Grand Slam yeah. events, if you like, as well. But um, it's an interesting one. I delayed, of course, uh, start earlier in the week with the frost, but it was a great yeah. picture. I don't know whether you saw it or not, of Shane Lowry with his father yeah. uh, in uh, Rochester uh, the day after Offaly had won the under-20 Leinster yeah. hurling title and Shane with the, with the jersey on and yeah. that. He's, he's a proud Offaly man, of course. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an, an, a fascinating Yeah, Shane is that. in there as well in the mix. I think there are about four or five off the, off, off the lead. So we'll see, we'll, see, we'll see what happens there. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I suppose the big one today as well is Leinster against La Rochelle. We'll be talking a bit about that just after nine o'clock. Um, I w- we're hoping uh, very soon to have um, former uh, Spurs player, Newcastle player, Sebastian Bassong on um, with thanks to Sports and Doors. So he'll be with us uh, in a few minutes and I want to talk to him a little bit about Spurs and the Premier League. Uh, at this stage, uh, you can't see City losing it, can you? No. No, no. Abs- absolutely not. They've played it absolutely perfectly. feel a little bit sorry for Arsenal, to be honest with you. But I still think that, you know, if you'd asked Arsenal fans at the start of the season where they thought they would finish, they were optimistic, perhaps, of a top four finish. Mm. They've secured that. They're going to finish second in the table. They've Champions League football next season. So that's, that's real progress. OK, it's disappointing now when they look back on it, the position that they were in in the league. Yes. But Manchester City have the experience, they have the class, they have the quality, and they've shown all of that over the mm-hmm. last number of weeks, not least against Real Madrid in the Champions League. Yeah, well, w- watching that the other night, and we'll be, we'll be talking about that later to Alan Cawley, I don't think I've ever seen a team dominate as much and I'm talking about possession passing and this was against Real Madrid it wasn't against with respect to Sligo Rovers or East Wall United it wasn't any of those teams it was amazing to watch and I even watched the first game and they dominated the first and then Spurs I think scored or uh, not Spurs uh, uh, Real Madrid scored against uh, the run of play and yet they they, they got back on level terms so um, they have to be hot favourites Against Milan, but at the same Inter Milan, but at the same time, there's always that possibility of an upset. This is the one that really Pep wants to win, isn't yeah, it? Oh, absolutely. There's no no doubt about that whatsoever. It's a huge period for them. They have uh, they'll win the league, might even win it today. Yeah. Um, they have the FA Cup final to come against Manchester United, um, of course, and they're chasing down the treble that United did back in '99. Yeah, so, yeah. the the noisy neighbours on the other side of Manchester well, would like nothing more than to to put a, a spoke in that particular wheel. That'll be, be a, sure. a bitter, bitter uh, Ooh, pill yeah. to swallow for United if City managed to do that. And Liverpool are right on their tail; they're just a point behind. Now that I know United have a game in hand, but they, they you know, mm. three games left for United, two for Liverpool. So uh, again, that's going to be tricky as well. Yeah. It's a fascinating conclusion to the season at both ends of the table. So lots of quality football and games to, to look forward to. There'll be twists or turns, particularly in the in the relegation uh, battle over over the next couple of weeks. Who do you think will go down, Joe? Southampton down already. So who do you think will join I them? I think Leicester and Leeds. Leicester and Leeds. That's who I think. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Um, there's still the possibility if Arsenal do beat Forest today... Uh, if Everton lose one of their last two matches, which is a possibility, they have a possibility uh, to win both matches. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't remember who they playing. I can't remember who they're playing Bournemouth and someone else. But anyway, they have two more matches which are not um, as difficult as they could be. And mm. I think for me, I often wonder about 
when you see the, the Jamie Vardy's and some of the Leicester players and thinking, well, sure, we'll be sorted anyway if we go down. But I think there's a different uh, situation with Everton because of the new stadium, because they haven't been relegated since the, you know, they haven't gone down no. since the 50s or something, no, isn't it? No, so, And they have a huge pride and it would be absolutely devastating for the blue side, the Mersey side to go down mm. and stuff like that. So I think they will fight, fight. Mm. And uh, I think they might just manage to stay. But again, they only stayed up, wasn't it the last game yeah, of the season, last was. season? I'm not uh, I'm not affiliated to any team in the Premier League, but neither w- am I. W- one thing I'd like to see is Nottingham Forest stay up. With yes. Steve Cooper, who's doing a fantastic job there. And particularly the chairman as well, because we know, Joe, over, over the period of time in football, how trigger-happy chairman and owners can be yes. on managers. Yes. They could have sacked Steve Cooper around Christmas time. They didn't. They stuck with him. Now, he'd spent a lot of money, so they wanted to see the return on the investment. But at the same time, he did bring them up. He did develop uh, Forrest. I mean, he, he's done a great job with Forrest. Yeah. And it would be, it's a crying shame when they just get rid of people. You know, it's, it's, uh, this football for the ordinary fan is, can be passionate and, of course, very fickle as well. Mm-hmm. But again, I think I, I would agree. I'd like to see Forrest staying up. I mean, Leeds. You know, a lot of Leeds fans, but they've been sacking managers left, right, and centre. I mean, it's been so probably they, you know, they would be the team to go down. And uh, I think Brendan Rodgers stayed on far too long as manager of of um, Leicester. Leicester because of his contract. I think it was worth something yeah. like ten million, and they didn't want to get rid of him because of that. But. Anyway. I am delighted to be joined on the line with thanks to our friends at Sports Endorse by Sebastian Basson. Good morning, Sebastian. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. You uh, have uh, played for uh, Spurs and Newcastle. You've made uh, over 200 appearances and uh, I understand you're still uh, very much involved in the sport. So the before I talk to you about anything, I want to uh, just uh, ask you um, uh, about some of the work you're doing at the moment. At the moment, as surprising as it is for a lot of people, I'm working in personal development and uh, as a keynote speaker. That's what that's what I do. That's why. You know, and is that uh, as a keynote speaker? Is it uh, working with uh, anything in particular? Um, I understand you might be working on um, mental health issues for some uh, prof- ex-professional players and that sort of stuff. Yeah, everything about, you know, the person, when I say personal development, finding out your strengths for real, who you really are, because I, I truly believe that if you really are, if you're involved in improving outside the pitch or outside in your life, from your private sector, you will be the best at whatever you're getting your head into. So me being an ex-professional athlete, I know how important the brain and the mental strength is. That's why I, I very I concentrate a lot on that, and yeah, that's why I touch through on um, keynote speaking and then coaching with people. And and, and on a personal uh, note, Sebastian, when you retired from football, because um, it can be you know quite tricky for players to try and find wh- what they want to do whether it's uh, coaching whether it's to go into management whether it's as, as you are doing so it, it, it is a tricky time for players when they do retire it is and you know people find it very difficult but as I keep saying to people it has to be there's a, a certain period of time when you're going to have to reflect you're going to have to do nothing not know you've got to be aware about the process it's another process the same way that you've been 
you, you know, you've been working really hard to get into football, to stay into football, and now you're going to need a certain amount of time to reflect, to think about what are you prepared to do. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just um, it's a matter of you knowing what's good for you, what's your timing, but you're going to be prepared for that. And that's a, just another challenge is Bob. You know, athletes, professional athletes, they're really good for that. We deal for that. We just got to be aware of that and accept it. I want to ask you about your time at uh, both uh, Newcastle, which I would say was, was probably turbulent, and your time at Spurs because you had a great run at Spurs, and I think you played at uh, with the likes of Modric at the time. Um, first, let me ask you about uh, Luka Modric. Uh, would he be one of the best players you ever played with? Definitely. Luca is one of the best. He's in, I reckon, I would say my top three. Yeah, the top three player I play with because Luca, we used to call him Mozart because he used to play a partition. You know, the way he was handling the game, his vision. There's no many players like him. I used to say that we don't, we don't, we didn't do the same job because he's a, he was on another level. I'm fascinated when you say your top three. Who, is, who are your other two? I'd say Samuel Eto'o yes. and um, uh, Samuel Eto'o, Luka Modric, at the time Gareth. Gareth Bale. Yeah, Gareth Bale. Yeah, and, he, a and phenomenal player. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sorry if I forget other people. Yeah, that's okay. No, no, but I just wanted to get a sense of it. Now, also as um, a former Newcastle player and a former Spurs player, uh, we see Spurs are playing Brentford today, but they're not going to. They're way outside getting the top four. It seems to have all imploded since Conte and. Uh, the uh, Newcastle are a completely uh, different setup from when you were playing there. It is, you know, uh, Spurs. I, know, I think they're going. They're going through a tough time, a rough time. You know, football is like when football you've got to reinvent yourself, and I think Spurs have been tr- struggling to put things back in perspective, and they've been they haven't had any stability whatsoever lately. And they've been finding their, looking for their feet. They haven't found their feet. And at the highest level, especially when you're used to play Champions League and you know, as a fan or as a club as overall, you want more. You want trophies. And that's the next step for Spurs. But unfortunately, this season haven't, haven't gone the way they wanted to. In the opposite, total, total opposite side, Newcastle, Newcastle is fine. Newcastle is going to get Champions League, I reckon. And this is amazing for the, for the club, for the fan base. You know, I think they deserve that. And since the takeover, they, they've been handling that takeover ever so well. Therefore, when you do things right, even though people thought you should have done this or that, it always pays off. It's just a matter of patience and being really thorough about your, your method and going for it. I've got my colleague here, Declan, for one final question for you, uh, Sebastian. Uh, Declan, go ahead. Yeah, Sebastian, good morning to you. Good to talk to you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the the pressure cauldron of Newcastle and living in the general area and the expectation of of the fans over the years, which finally looks as if it might be getting some reward. um, Living up north, you know, in the Georgia land, that was my first club in the UK. And... um, 
I couldn't even find a better club to start with because that's how I fell in love with the English football and the UK. The love, the passion that is around the city, around the club, is just amazing. I mean, the pressure, there's, I wouldn't even say pressure, there's an excitement when you play for Newcastle United because you see the, the, the passion of the fans, the fact that they support you whether you win or lose, whether you play at home or away, they, they kind of give you their, their, their love for the club and you totally understand straight away that, okay, this is a different, this is a special place. Then you really want to give your all. And that's the first thing that I've been told when I got there. So, listen, you might not be the best every single game, but you're going to give us your all. And it's tough. It stays into myself and it became part of my DNA. And that's how I think the Newcastle United fans and club is built on passion, you know, down-to-earth people. And when you have the financial backing and the history that they have, yes, now, you know, it's only fair and right that they're it's time for rugby and Rory O'Connor from the Irish Independent or Independent uh, joins me this morning. Good morning, Rory. Morning, Joe. Um, I suppose we'll, before we start with the, the big one today, we'd uh, like to start with last night. Um, uh, Toulon, Glasgow, I watched a little bit of it. It was a bit one-sided, a bit boring, and I was flicking between that and watching Chels. But uh, what did you make of it? I was doing the same with, your, with Bowes, Joe. So um, it was a bit of a non-contest, wasn't it? It was uh, Glasgow were quite hyped coming in and had a really good URC season. And Munster derailed them a couple of weeks ago in their, in their quarterfinal in the URC. They would have been one of the teams who were fancied to challenge Leinster. And I saw Bernard Jackman um, saying that it was their worst performance since they lost by a record score to Leinster this time last year. And I'd say it would be so disappointing that they just had a no-show. It's the first final they've experienced uh, you know, in, in European rugby in, in what 27 or 28-odd years. And to get there for the first time and be blown away by a very good Toulon side, but they wouldn't be at the level of a Leinster or La Rochelle, must be so disappointing. Now, Toulon have lost a couple of finals in this competition and are probably well, both sides will probably do quite well in the Champions Cup if they were in there um, so like they're, they're, it, was, it was two high quality teams but it's another Scottish team kind of tanking and they are the, mm. the of most important so maybe that bodes well since they're in Ireland's pool at the World well, Cup I, I was thinking about that, you know, when I was watching that match last night and uh, I was thinking about, because the, the French are still very strong. I know we got the Grand Slam and all that and I was thinking about Scotland on the up and up and then last night I just thought, God, that was very, very disappointing and uh, particularly, and also I was kind of disappointed with the, that, uh, I don't know whose job it would be to maybe even paper the uh, Viva uh, last night because, again, I thought it lacked a little bit of atmosphere. Uh, I know the French apparently don't travel, I don't know why, but because we're not that far away and I would have thought maybe more uh, Scots would have been there but uh, it wasn't to be Well I think a lot of tickets were sold in advance in packages where you had to buy the t- a ticket for today's final and last night's final so I think a lot of tickets were sold and people might not have gone Leinster fans who bought the tickets on that that you know that proviso, but couldn't go. There's also the accommodation crisis. You know, like, you know, a lot of the cheap accommodation in Dublin has currently been taken up by um, refugees. There's a big problem at Dublin Airport. They can't get 
uh, charter flights in. They just can't handle the volume of charter flights. So there are a couple of logistical challenges stopping kind of fans arriving en masse. When Leicester played in the quarterfinal against Le- Leinster, they all came over on the ferry. and so, like Almost their entire fan base, the 500 who travelled, came over on the ferry that day and went home on the 2am ferry because they couldn't get accommodation for wow. a decent price in Dublin. So there's a bit more to it. Uh, yeah, but, I never thought of that, actually. Yeah, yeah and, uh, but I think like it is a bit of a shame because Dublin might not... You know, That's one of the reasons this is so special for Leinster today. I'm not sure when Dublin will have a final against it. So it's a, it's a weekend to be cherished for rugby fans. Yeah, absolutely. So let's focus on that. Um, uh, I, I, with, uh, Declan Drake just asked me to mention of course uh, which I'm sure you will know about Stuart, Stuart Lancaster he's done a fantastic job in the background it's his last day uh, Leo Cullen um, I suppose taking over the mantle with Leinster he really has steadied the ship I know we had kind of Joe Smith and then onto the international but he certainly has done such a fantastic job with Leinster hasn't he? Yeah absolutely and I was writing about this in today's independence you know Lancaster's final day he never would have thought seven years ago that, that, that he would be here this long. It was a one-year deal. It was a bolt from the blue. None of us saw coming. Leo Cullen um, via Johnny Sexton. I think he got Johnny Sexton to text Lancaster to encourage him to come over. And it was very much, let's see how this goes. And we, you know, over the years, we've had co-managers in you know, Julier and Evans and, and the Mayo team had one a couple of years ago. But it's very unusual and it's very unusual to see it work. And it's, it's worked so well for Leinster. It's delivered a, a slew of URC titles, one European final, incredible consistency across seasons and I think what it needs just to finish it off because Lancaster has undoubtedly leaves with having made an indelible mark on a whole generation of Leinster and Ireland players on the province you know on, on coaches right down the pathway but he's a win you know he wants to win trophies he wants his, you know that, that, that medal in his back pocket as he boards a flight to Paris and <clears throat> there's no guarantees as he knows because he's lost two finals he's lost the semi-final he's lost the quarter-final when Leinster have got to this elite edge, they've stumbled. You know, they, they, even against Raffing in, in 2018, they struggled in that final. So there's nothing easy at this level. There's no guarantees, but it would be a lovely way for him to finish. And also for, it, he's not playing today, but it's Johnny Sexton's last involvement with Leinster. You know, he, he's he'll retire after the World Cup. He won't wear the blue jersey again. And Leinster have a tradition of kind of getting retiring players to, to lift the trophy if they win. So yes. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to coax Johnny up to lift it if they get there. Very good. And of course, uh, it's practically a, an Ireland team when you think about it, uh, mm. going out against uh, La Rochelle. Uh, but uh, Ronan O'Gara, he is a very, very good operator for sure. Oh, absolutely. And we know him well and he knows Leinster well. And, you know, no other opposition coach would keep an eye on Irish rugby so closely across the season. You know, O'Gara, who he wore a red, a red hoodie to the pre-game press conference yesterday in his captain's <laughs> room, which was an interesting choice. I think he was just reminding everyone that he was there, but he was very relaxed yesterday. He's he's played Leinster twice as as a coach in the last two years, and he's ended the European run in the semi-final and the final. Both games were in France. That's a big thing to consider. But even he said yesterday, this is a home game for me as well. He played 45 times for Ireland at, at Lansdowne Road or the Aviva. Um, you know, he was hugging the groundsman yesterday. This is this was his turf. He won an AIL there. He, he beat Lancer in a U- European semi in 2006 as well at the old Lansdowne Road. And he's a shrewd coach. He's got a very good squad. He's he's amassed a really heavy artillery of very very good players. Who you know, Toulouse beat La Rochelle all the time. Lancer beat Toulouse all the time. But so far, La Rochelle beat Lancer. It's one of these weird, yes, weird yes. style Mike styles make fights kind of things. They match up really well against Leinster. There was definitely a confidence about La Rochelle yesterday, and part of that comes from 
their coach's European pedigree, his knowledge, his his, his determination. He's made this week. You know, he's been asked about how do you stop Leinster, and he keeps reframing. And goes well, they have to stop us first, and that's you know that's his mindset. He's, yes. he's a winner, and um, Leinster fans probably you know they respect them. They may loathe them, but they definitely respect them. And, and I think he's in Leinster's heads a little bit as well. Yeah, in, indeed. Um, if you were to call it, um, Rory, what do you think? Like, I think it's going to be a really tight game, and I've been. I'm veering on La Rochelle's side just because their, fi- their their record in the last couple of years in this fixture, Leinster's record in finals hasn't been great, but home advantage will count for an awful lot. As you mentioned, these are these are Leinster players. Fourteen of them were in the Grand Slam team, and Ross Maloney, the fifteenth, was in the squad for that, that that final game. They've got the heartbreak of the last two seasons, and even last week against Munster to fuel them. They have been the best team across the season, the most consistent team in this tournament. And if they get it right, and if conditions play ball, and if the referee plays ball, and they keep fifteen on the pitch, and all the things that you know can go wrong, um, if they if they avoid any of those pitfalls, they definitely can win today. But I also think if La Rochelle get everything right, if 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 the referee lets them away with some of the stuff that Leinster are worried around the breakdown, they have unbelievable class across the pitch. They're the two best teams in Europe going at it. Maybe the home advantage will swing it for Leinster, but I just have this niggling doubt. That, that La Rochelle might just get over the line but I don't do it with any confidence and any worried Leinster fans can take uh, solace from the fact that I tipped to lose in the semi-final as well so my <laughs> record in these things is very good I mean like it's going to be a historic day for us rugby a final in Dublin with Leinster in it it's a day to, to relish it's really exciting and a brilliant brilliant matchup uh, you know I think everyone's hoping that Leinster will do the, do the job but that this is a team that they have to respect that they, they will have to be at their very very best to win it and that's what a final should be Okay, and finally, uh, just a quick look ahead to, uh, is it next week that Munster are in South Africa against the Stormers? Do you give them any chance? I do, yeah. I'm going over on Wednesday. Um, I think God, you have a great job, Rory. You have a great job. <laughs> <laughs> it's unexpected. My wife doesn't agree, but that's, that's another matter. But it's, um, I, like, I think they do, because they, they won in Cape Town a month ago. And that was a good Stormers team. They beat Stormers are... Are the champions are very good team. They're on home home soil, but Munster have incredible momentum at their at their back. So did the Stormers. But we saw, I don't know if you saw the video that, that came out of them celebrating that they were going to have a home final against Munster rather than have to travel across the equator one last yes. time to face Leinster in Dublin. They uh, they were fairly clear that this was the result they wanted, and and one of their players even said, "We're going to f them up," you know, yes. into the camera fairly deliberately. So yeah. there's a good bit of motivation for Munster as well. They've had a bad finals record, but this is a new a new Munster coaching team, a new Munster setup. They're playing really good rugby, and they've just knocked off Leinster away from home, having done Munster. Sorry, having done Glasgow a couple of weeks ago, and also won in Cape Town before. They're incredibly confident, and for players like O'Mahony, Murray, Earls who's probably going to be, you know, say his last, his last game for Munster, this is just this opportunity they can't miss. So yes. I think they're going to give it everything and they do have a really good chance. Stormers will start as favourites, but Munster, you know, I wouldn't write them off by any means. Uh, Declan, busy, busy weekend. Yes, indeed, it was, Joe, and continues to be as well. We start with Croke Park last Sunday, Dublin claiming a 13th consecutive Leinster Senior Football Championship title. 5-21 to 15 points victory over Louth. Amongst the goal scorers there, Paul Mannion of Waterland Club Champions, Kilmacud Croaks, 
And Sean Bugler of Oliver Plunkett's own Rua, who impressed scoring a goal and three for his afternoon as well. Well, once the dust settled at GA headquarters last Sunday evening, I sat down with Emma Duffy of the 42.ie to discuss Dublin past and indeed in the future. I began by asking her what she made of the performance she had witnessed over the 70 minutes. Good, Declan. Pretty impressive. Um maybe a little bit more like the Dublin of old or just the Dublin that we've been so used to looking at over the years. I know there has been a little bit of criticism in recent weeks, um, but I, I think they, they put out a statement today, albeit against a lesser outfit in Louth. Um, I don't think many expected 21 points to be the difference. Um, but yeah, they were they were clinical, ruthless when it mattered, got the job done. 521 is a, a pretty impressive score to put up. I think it was 12 different scores or something like that um, and, and they left a little bit behind them too so I suppose things to work on going forward but a, a, a really pleasing day overall for Desi Farrell and the Dubs and uh, I'd say they'll be, they'll be pretty happy with that now going into the All-Ireland series. Three pre-match changes, which is nothing new, of course. We come to expect that. But the first, what, 10, 15 minutes of the game, fairly even, three points apiece. Then Dublin kicked on, kick-started really by Paul Mannion's goal. Yeah, absolutely. Like I suppose Laid probably came and made a pretty bright start. Like they, they didn't really look too nervy. Uh, the Dubs, I don't think, got off the mark until the tenth minute or so. I suppose it was probably a game of possession, but there were some mistakes, errors, turnovers, that kind of thing. All you expect. But yeah, then Dublin really kicked into gear, and I think Laid didn't score from the twelfth minute till, till near half time. Um, so yeah, they, it was a 22 minutes they didn't score and Dublin scored 110 without reply within that. And as you say, Mannion's 23rd minute goal, they just kicked on from there and, and never looked like looking back, I guess. One of the outstanding performances today was from uh, Sean Bugler of Oliver Plunkett's own Rua, not too far from us here in, in Crow Park. A goal and three for him today. Important for Dublin to see players like him step up to the plate and, and, and show their real metal in the shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really impressed by Bugler today and, and in recent weeks as well. But I think, yeah, 1-3 today, as you say, uh, looks really, really good. Not just on the scoring front and in every facet of the game. Like It'd be interesting to watch back and see what he contributed away from scoring. Um, but yeah, he, he looked pretty good, took his goal really, really well. Um, and definitely a, a promising talent coming through for Dublin. And um, I suppose... Like Desi Farrell has made no secret of with the amount of youngsters within the squad and how important it is to get them bedded in. And, you know, those guys are going to be the ones carrying the mantle going forward. So it's so important important to have those kind of standout performers, um, you know, away from the regular big guns that we've had in recent years that we've all become so accustomed to seeing week in, week out. But yeah, Bugler definitely, I think, really uh, made Crow Park his own today. Yeah. And Dublin, when they go from defence into attack with power and speed as they do are a joy to watch they scored five goals today could have had maybe one or two more as well that's been a criticism of the team perhaps in the early stages of 2023 that they were creating the goal chances but not taking them and they seem to have sorted that particular issue out fairly well yeah 100% and I think another thing as well I suppose they probably looked a little bit slow in the build up maybe a bit laboured at times but today you know they were they were really quick off the mark um, you know those quick one twos was really good they tried to go direct as well playing the long ball into Con, got joy from that 
Um, so yeah, I think that was that was important. That bit of variation in their game a little bit more so. And yeah, during that I suppose spell of dominance that we've previously mentioned in the first half, where they where they really squeezed loud, they put a huge huge press on their kick out, and and they found great joy from that. I suppose just scoring from turnover after turnover, um, and and breaking at pace. And as you say, those goals, um, and even like that ones that they they missed or left behind them too. So yeah, definitely really promising going forward and looking a little bit more back to themselves than they had been. Yeah. The consecutive Leinster title for for Dublin today, Emma and. Desi Farrell post-match again was asked his thoughts on maintaining the provincial championships. Um, today certainly adds more fuel to the fire, perhaps, that their days are numbered. Yeah, I, I guess so. I suppose we've seen so far this year one-sided deciders in, in Leinster, in Munster and in Connacht. Um, 13 in a row for the dubs in Leinster. I think today was their 39th game in the province. They've won in a row, so um, the averages are good. I know Ulster went to a to a penalty shootout there and might have saved a little bit of face just in in the debate so far, but um yeah I guess as Jesse Farrell said it probably does need a review need a little bit of a rethink um I think the All Ireland series that's coming up now um suppose shakes it up a little bit but it is a big question and and we see it in ladies football too Declan um like is there I suppose value in it anymore um being a separate competition as well in some regards yeah. but yeah I suppose it is one to, to, to look at and to rethink I know obviously in the GA huge on tradition that kind of thing so it is a little bit sad in that sense but I guess if it's not doing anyone any favours in terms of these big deficits and big beatings like what's what's the real point in it going forward Yeah I agree and one good thing that the Camogie Association do of course is they run their provincial championships separate to the All-Ireland Series like we had the Leinster final on Saturday which Kilkenny edged out Dublin in but it's back to square one behind the white line again for the All-Ireland Championship so perhaps there might be a merit in maintaining the provincial championships while operating an All-Ireland Series separately how would you feel about that? Yeah I guess like the it's probably you need a clean slate, I guess, and and look at it in in I don't know if someone has a a completely different idea, but there probably is you know some positives in that format that you mentioned, and in in every format, I guess there's obviously pros and cons in everything in life, but um yeah, I I do think it, it's it's important that I suppose it is looked at because like 21 points today on on the biggest stage, you you don't want to see any team lose by that. I think in fairness to the GA, I mean, obviously over the years they, they have changed the structure to, you know, the backdoor system, which was revolutionary at the time, and then the, the Super 8s, and now we have the new championship format uh, coming up, so they just maybe need a, a little bit of a push to go that little bit further. But now from a Dublin perspective, Emma, we enter a three-game series uh, in the All-Ireland Championship, Roscommon, Sligo, and also Kildare, as as well. Um, as Desi was also making the point in the press conference there, um, a step up there in class and certainly two of the teams who are operating a division higher than them this year. Yeah, and that's that's something I suppose that Dublin need to be need to look at and it's something they're they're well aware of, you know. I think they've kind of only played division 2 teams downwards this year. They haven't played, come up against division 1 opposition yet. Um, and Ross Common obviously in the league, they had a pretty decent league show and started off really really well. They were the informed team in the country at the start of the year if you remember correctly. Um, and like that they've tested themselves against the best week on week. Um, so even they had I suppose that 
a few a few decent games in in Connacht too, so they'll have that under their belt. But yeah, it should be a, a tasty enough one. I believe it's a home game for Dublin, so that is a little bit of an advantage in that regard. Um, but it'll be interesting to see them go up against the Rossies uh, on the first day, and then two other games: Kildare and Sligo. Kildare, obviously, we know what happened here in the Leinster final two weeks ago or the Leinster semi-final two weeks ago because they pushed them all the way and it was a pretty good test for Desi Farrell's side so it'll be interesting to see if they can I suppose if they if Kildare can capitalise on that if they've what they've learned from that day and similarly Dublin and then Sligo Division 4 champions obviously there is that that gap or that chasm but but no doubt they'll uh, they'll put up a good showing too and I suppose fight all the way Provincial Championships done and dusted for 2023 on the second Sunday in the month of May. That's the split season that we're in at, at the moment. Still takes a little bit of adjusting to, uh, I think. But what you've seen in the football championships so far, and we're sitting here in Crow Park at the moment, who do you think may be back here towards the end of July? So who's going to win it, you're asking me? Who's <laughs> going to be here, firstly? Um, right, well, I, I did a predictions piece for the 42 a few weeks ago. And I've called the four provincial champions so far, and I had Dublin for the All Ireland. So I don't know what's that, what that's saying. <laughs> from no, I think I know your football. <laughs> well, well, from what I've seen so far as well, uh, I suppose today I was impressed with Dublin. Thought they looked really good the first day in Leinster as well. But then you know you're looking at the opposition and you're waiting for them to come up come up against the Division One teams. Um, I suppose Kerry, Galway. Like I'm, I'm just listing it provincial champions yeah. here. Derry as well. Armagh pushed them all the way today. Could have went either way in the end. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty open to be honest, Eck. Um, and whoever wins it will most certainly earn it. But I, I can see, I suppose, the big heavyweights, the usual heavyweights there at the yeah. business end. I do think Galway will be hurting very much from last year, and will be looking to get back there and possibly go a step further. But I, th- I think Kerry. Pulls around with a shout of, of retaining it, but then you can never write off the dubs. Time to turn now to the small ball game. Delighted to be joined on the line by our good friend and colleague uh, Sean Lane. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Sean, Dublin are on the road tomorrow in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. It's their fourth game of the campaign. They take on Kilkenny, a team you know well, at uh, Nolan Park at six o'clock this evening. Two wins and a draw so far in the competition for Michal Dunhu's charges. How well equipped are we going in to face the Cats this evening? Well, sure. As we know, Declan, it'll be a very, very uh, difficult game down in, in Nolan Park and... and uh, our record recently has hasn't been great. Kenny are on five points as well as as, as we know they, they they drew with Galway, but I suppose the, the big significance of the game is you know the winner will, will probably uh, be in the Leinster finally against Galway on the other side. So it's a huge game. Uh, what we need to do is is just be in their face and you know do all the the things that are easy to do to to do them. You know hook and block and chasing and give them no space, but. As you and me well know, that's that's a lot easier said than done when you're coming up against TJ Reid and and Owen Cody and Adrian Mullen and, and people like that. It's going to be a huge huge um, game. I think it's on at six o'clock this evening, and um, you know it, it's going to take everything in their power to get a result. Uh, but it's important to to remember we did go out last year on on goal average, so 
it's a matter of fighting to the bitter end, even if we are a couple of points down and, and, and not, not thrown in the towel with five minutes to go. And indeed, if we are ahead, to, to do the same and keep trying to get as many scores as we possibly can. But, but a very, very difficult assignment this, after, this afternoon. And we certainly hope it's better than the league performance was down there. But in the games that we've had so far, Sean, are you seeing the, the, the progress coming through well in, in the group that gives you confidence going forward? Yeah, you you would have to say it. I mean, we, we, people were very critical of Dublin the first day uh, up in Antrim, and um, you know we we only got a draw, but we 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 were we found ourselves five or six points down and came back. So that that was a good finish to the game, albeit you know Kenny went up and 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 uh, you know to put in context, knocked the stuff and out of them. So you you say to yourself, mm, okay, fair enough, we're a little bit off there. But then we went out against Westmead and look, it didn't start very well, but we pulled away and and did that. But I suppose, and, and didn't get much coverage, Declan, the Dublin-Wexford uh, game was a very interesting first half, but it was a very exciting second half. And I suppose it got lost in the whole um, uh, Cork-Tip game and the, the GA go conversations at the same time. But the second half in Crow Park that day was an exceptional game. And if, if I compare the performance in the second half against uh, Wexford to, we say, the first half performance against Antrim, which was a couple of weeks prior to that, there's definitely been huge improvement. Uh, I think the decision, and not everybody agrees with it, to play in Crow Park is, is a good one, because uh, th- these young forwards, I think they need room and space, and, and, and uh, I certainly do, to answer your question, I do see a little bit of, uh, of an improvement, but as we well know, this is a, you know, a huge, huge and, and mammoth task this evening. Well, one thing is, of course, they play Galway in their final game at Croke Park next Sunday at 2 o'clock, which was already pre-arranged. Now the footballers have been added to the bill as well, which certainly from a support point of view next week will help, Sean, no doubt about that. But just finally on today's uh, game, um, can we get the result down there? I think, I'll be honest, it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. Um, you know, you know, we've said from the Munster is, is, is a different kettle of fish, just four teams fighting for a, a Munster final, but we did say from the outset that we, we felt that Kenny and Galway would always contest the Leinster final. I really haven't seen anything uh, to change my mind on that. So, uh, having said that, Galway, you know, Kenny were five points up against Galway with seven or eight minutes to go and, and, and uh, you know, let Galway come back and get a, um, a draw. But I, I don't see us getting a result today. But, but I do think we're building nicely to really um, be, you know, in their faces over the next couple of years. I think we have done who's going the right direction. It's time now for football. We're joined by Alan Corley of Corley's Cold Podcast. Uh, good morning, Alan. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm great. Uh, you got a night off last night. Uh, I was watching the telly. I was watching Shells uh, last night in Tolka Park against Pat's Dublin Derby. It wasn't the greatest advertisement for uh, League of Ireland, but it's great to see uh, between RTE and uh, Virgin putting matches on and that sort of stuff. So it, uh, it does keep all the football certainly uh, on the forefront f- for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Uh, it's great, as you say, Virgin have gotten bored and have started to show a couple of games now as well and spreads it out nicely between ourselves. And if we can get to the stage where you can, at some point, maybe have a game every week between the two of us, it would be fantastic. We've obviously shown the last three or four in a row and now Virgin have taken it up with their one. And I think of another one coming up on Bank Holiday Monday and then we're back. So I think over the next kind of, between the last four or five weeks and the next four or five there'll be a game on every week which is brilliant and it's what we want to see and more exposure for the players and for the league itself and there's obviously been a lot of positivity around it this year with the crowds and all that kind of stuff so um, all that is great to see 
the only thing about last night is the game wasn't great. Yes. Um, but you'll have that, Joe. There's nights like that you're going to have games that we've done plenty of games ourselves and, and the game mightn't be great and then you might get lucky another week and it's a fantastic match. That's just the nature of it. Um, uh, and I would say, uh, watching it last night, I'd say Damien, Damien uh, will have a lot to go over with uh, his players because, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff from time to time, but there was a lot of stuff that was, uh, for me, even below average to the standard that League of Ireland has been in recent times because when you watch the Rovers or the Derries and stuff like that and, uh, you know, even Bowles uh, playing some great football, but there was some surprise results last night. I suppose we should start with uh, the team that were on the top of the table now they're not Rovers at home in Tala to Drogheda it looked like a foregone conclusion and it turned out that it certainly wasn't Yeah unbelievable result really uh, Joe when you think about it I suppose with the run Shamrock Rovers have been on I think they've won eight or last nine um, incredible form really got themselves back to the top of the table with that run of form as well beating all before them and Drogheda themselves who were obviously I know Kevin very well but and and the performances of Drada of late have been very good despite not getting the results. They got off to a really good start in the season, but I think they hadn't won in the last six. I watched them last Friday night against Pats and they were very, very good in the game, but they just haven't been taking their chances when they've come. Um, and I think if you listen to Kevin's interview after the match last night, that's the one thing he mentioned that is when the chances came last night against Shamrock Rovers, they talked them. So it's an yes. unbelievable result for them. It's night and day the resources in terms of what Shamrock Rovers are working off compared to what Kevin's working off. So in that regard, he's doing a fantastic job. But it's a big blow for Shamrock Rovers uh, because they would be expected to beat Drada 10 yeah. times out of 10, to be honest with you, Joe. So, um, I was surprised. I, I was kind of looking at the results and uh, Rovers 2 down. I thought, wow. And then I saw Bowles were down. But Bowles uh, uh, came back to get a draw. That's certainly a valuable point for them against Dundalk. Yeah, big point for them. Uh, that was more even Stephen in terms of those two teams obviously up fighting for those European places and Dundalk themselves had been on a good run prior to the defeat to Derry on Monday uh, and Bowes themselves obviously were up at the top of the table for a large spell of the season and you're looking for a reaction off the back of that defeat to Shamrock Rovers so um, it was a, a good reaction that they've shown and that's something that they've shown all year Bowes they can, they can start slowly in games and then second half performance will be very very good and I think that was the case again last night because by all accounts Dundalk were cruising at 2-0 but Declan made a couple of substitutions. I think brought on, on Afalabi and added a bit of physical presence up front and uh, they got themselves back into the game. So that's a big point for them, especially when they're two down. And Cork City, that was a good result for them, really, to get them sort of back on track. They haven't been doing great this season. No, it's been a mixed bag for Cork, but there's a big jump, Joe, and I'm not sure people realise it at times in terms of the first division to the, cha- to the Premier League. It's, it is a big jump. Cork City are a massive club, but they still haven't um, kind of recruited to the level that you would expect a massive club to do because obviously they're only back in the division so they're still working off largely the squad that would have got them promoted and obviously Colin lost his job as well um, there and Lane came in so it's a big big result for them uh, they've no manager yet I think Lane is still overseeing things down there but that's a big result a big blow for Slide Rovers as well because they would have been one of the clubs that were looking kind of towards Bowles and Dundalk and Shells mm-hmm. and Pats in that mix for the European places but that's too bad the seats now for Sligo and they're down kind of just hovering above the relegation places and that's not where they want to be. And Derry City, comprehensive winners against UCD and there's this kind of uh, Derry City under the radar and uh, they may, uh, well, they're not under the radar anymore but uh, I'd say they would have aspirations of overtaking Shamrock Rovers uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, well, they would have always had those, Joe, to be fair but 
it's it's been a mixed bag with 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 Derry as well because when you think of the slowish start that Shamrock Rovers have got off to, Derry really should have been well ahead of of them, but they weren't. And then obviously Rovers have have gone on that great run of form and taken over from Derry. But the last two or three games at Derry, they've had three wins, I think now, and that they've got themselves back um, on top of the league now because of that result in in Tala last night. So. To have players back, which is a big thing as well, Joe. Derry have a squad capable of challenging Shamrock Rovers if they have all their best players on the pitch. And now to have Dummigan back, to have Duffy back, um, to have Mark Connolly back, they've all their top players back on top of kind of the other the other good players that they have to top up the squad as well. So that's what needs to happen really, all their players to remain fit and get their best ones on the pitch. Because I do think they're capable of challenging Shamrock Rovers on their day. So and it's what we want to see. You don't want to see the Rovers running away with the league. We want to see a competitive title race. Absolutely. And I think Derry will give it to them. Just before we get to the Premiership, uh, Declan uh, Drake just wants to uh, talk. Is it about the, the Shells yeah. Pats match? Yeah. yeah, about the Shells. Good morning, Al. Morning, Declan. Uh, good to see Mark Rutherford at Tulka Park last night and indeed the legend that is Stuart Byrne sitting in the, in the stand as well. But I want to talk to you, uh, Alan, about John Daly the interim St. Patrick's Athletic Manager. He's had three wins in four starts since he got the, the job on that basis at Inchicore. A lot of speculation about different people coming in perhaps to take the manager's job, but how much more does John Daly have to do to get the job or do you think he, he might get it? Well, I think he's a great chance now, Declan. Um, I think he's put his name forward as wanting the job as well. It doesn't sit right with me, Declan, I have to be honest, that if you're there as part of the previous regime and the manager is deemed a failure... And then you you stay on, and now it looks like you're kind of putting your hat putting your hat into the ring that you want the job. That never sits well with me, just from an optics point of view. Now I know the argument will be made that we don't have the industry here where there's loads of chances and opportunities for young managers to get jobs. So I get that, and if he obviously is a young up and coming manager, if that's what he wants to be, and, he, and maybe he feels this is his opportunity and his chance, that's fine. But I just don't feel like he wouldn't be there only for Tim Clancy brought him in, and to me it just doesn't look right. But that's just me. But in terms of the fact, the question you're asking, Declan, he's there now. He has won three out of four. And if he wants the job, he can do no more than what he's doing. And I watched him last week. Uh, I thought they were poor enough in the first half, but he made a change and brought on Jamie Lennon. Uh, didn't bring him on, moved him into the centre midfield against Strada. Made a massive difference. And they went on to win the game 3 0. And last night, I thought they were very good and good value for their win as well. So he's doing all he can, I suppose. John, or I beg your pardon, uh, Alan, I was, uh, just, uh, my mind was slipping there. Uh, Alan, just want to talk about the uh, Premiership and we have uh, Forrest against Arsenal at 5.30 kickoff. Um, and if Arsenal don't win it, obviously uh, City um, are champions. What do you reckon? Oh, it's done and dusted, Joe. Done and dusted. And to be fair to Forrest, uh, if, we, if we focus on them first, they've done great, obviously, in the last couple of weeks in the relegation battle, beating Southampton. And then obviously the draw against Chelsea last week. So they'll fancy their chances of maybe even getting a victory because their home form is very, very good. Arsenal, we all know the last couple of weeks they've kind of thrown it, not thrown it away, City have put massive pressure on them, but they haven't risen to that challenge. And um, Not so much even last week. I wouldn't mind that one. It was the games against West Ham yeah. and the Southampton game. They were the ones that, that they needed to win, that they were 2-0 up against West Ham. They were 3-1 down against Southampton and 2-0 down. You can't have that especially when the pressure that City were putting on them. But City are a fantastic team. You look what they did to Real Madrid during the week. Ah, it's sure ridiculous God. how good they are. I know. Amazing. I don't think anyone has seen a display like that. And uh, I'm guessing you'd fancy City to go all the way against Inter, would you? Yeah. Now, Inter will be, it'll be a bit more in terms of, I suppose, trickier than what Real Madrid will be a lot more pluckier. Real Madrid would have kind of gone out the other night 
and taking City on in the sense that we're every bit as good as you and that's why you see the huge open spaces and City obviously dismantled them. I think they'll, they'll, you look at uh, Inter Milan against AC Milan now to beat AC Milan comfortable enough but I think they'll be more plucky and they'll be better organised and it'll be tougher in terms of maybe yeah. um, I suppose the game that we've seen during the week but you'd, you'd have to fancy that City. I think so, wasn't, so wasn't Mourinho in charge of Inter when they last won the Champions yeah. League yeah, yeah so yeah that's a, I can and Izaghi, like they're passionate players passionate team passionate fans Italians are always difficult opponents you'd fancy them of course Man City on paper everyone will but I don't think it'll be the cakewalk that people are making out Okay, well, just to get back to the Premiership because uh, relegation, Everton are away to Wolves. Uh, we also so uh, whether they can survive. I mean, who who do you think is going to go down? Um, I think Everton will get out of it, and I always said that since Sean Dyche has come in, um, and I know they got beat last week, but everyone gets beat by Man City. But that win against Brighton was fantastic, um, and Wolves, Lopetegui's done an unbelievable job, so they probably feel as though they're safe. So that's a good fixture for Everton today. I think Leeds are doomed, regardless yeah. of Sam Allardyce. I know they're playing West Ham this weekend, and West Ham obviously have eyes now on the Conference League final, but they probably still need a point, West Ham, just to keep themselves kind of not dragged in on the final day, even though I don't think they will be, but I don't think Leeds will get the two victories. Yeah, and finally, because we just got a less than a minute, um, there's Newcastle, there's Manchester United, and there's Liverpool a point behind United. Liverpool two games, United three games. Are United going to secure that uh, fourth place, do you think? Hopefully, Joe. Like they've, they've, they should have it done by now. Like and They've been good all season in terms of pushing for that fourth place. I know they've kind of stumbled over the last few weeks and Liverpool have been in great form, but I think they might just hang on. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.